Welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast, hosted by Jenny Moffitt and Amanda Hoshite. All right, so whew, it is another fabulous day in this world we call the Earth. It's it's an Earth. We're on it. It's spinning around. It's going around the sun. It's awesome. Um, sorry, I'm feeling a little. Uh, it's been a day, right? We, we Amanda and I have caught up for the last 45 minutes, and I'll tell you, most of our conversation in that 45 minutes was the events that occurred this very day. Um, it is one of those things that life as an officer in the Salvation Army is never boring. Yes, that's true. So it's fun. So, and Several jobs wrapped into one. So correct. just take it's one of the biggest uh, pluses for me in the job is just the variety. Mm -hmm. I love that each day brings its own set of uh, challenges and difficulties, but also blessings. And you, know, you have obviously good days and bad days, but the variety is what, what I love. The spice of life. Correct. I I really enjoy. I don't always enjoy my calendar being thrown out the window, as far <laughs> as what what I end up doing on a given day. But I enjoy the the variety of what I get to do. It's not just one thing all the time. Yeah. It's all the things. Well, all the time. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so we have had an awesome conversation thus far. But. Uh, I do want to give a shout out because one of the things that I got to do today was throw axes and I love throwing axes. It's super fun. And so I want to give a shout out to Chad who works in my pantry because he asked me to give a shout out during one of my episodes of the podcast. So Chad, here's a shout out to you, man. Yay, Chad. <laughs> I didn't meet you, but I saw your efficient workstation when on my visit and I was impressed. Yeah. Good on you, Chad. Yeah, he's he's a good guy. He does does really good work for us. So anyway, there you go. This episode brought to you by Chad. Anyway, so we are wow, we are in the middle of this fabulous uh, little book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And honestly, if if you're gonna really get anything out of it, you really should get the book and should do the course and and do the hard work of it. But if you like the just kind of the the overview of it, this is kind of what we've been trying to do in the last several uh, several episodes here. So we are now in session five or chapter five, and it talks about enlarging your soul through grief and loss. And this is one of those things. Last week, we talked about the wall that can kind of happen, whether it be doubt or some crisis in your life or something that uh, happens that can cause kind of a derailment sometimes of your faith or a stagnation of your faith. And if you can get through that wall, but then there's a next kind of thing that can can happen, whether you're at a wall or not, with this idea of grief and loss and how we deal with grief and loss in our life. Because mm -hmm. I think so often we have this concept that grief needs to be linear mm. and it's not. Not only that, but that there's a time limit. Like you've you have this X amount of time to grieve for a loss of a loved one or a loss of a something or even a perceived loss or a, or a future loss or a, uh, you know, they talk about different kinds of losses, right? It mm -hmm. isn't just someone passes away, right? Um, that there's somehow a time limit and that's also false. Right. right. So well, well, um, Western culture, um, 
does grief terribly. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we, we tend to be, uh, get over it as quick as you can type of a culture. So, um, get learning over how it to or self-medicate it. Yeah. Get over it, it. Med yeah, medicate yourself, happy, ignore it, uh, push yourself back into work. Um, the whatever grind culture, hustle culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, in any kind of, it's not even just grief and loss, but disappointment, sadness, um, transition. That's a loss. Right. Okay. And I think specifically um, we're getting into move times for the Salvation Army. And that's a major loss for a lot of people involved in that. Right. You have the loss that officers feel you have the loss that congregations feel yep. and working through those emotions are vital to emotionally healthy spirituality and just emotional health in general. We just had this today. So I uh, talked about our, our to-do list uh, today. We did a wedding. So a Wednesday afternoon, one o'clock wedding. Cause why as, not? Cause why not? And, um, but it hit me in the middle of preparations for this wedding that I only have eight days left in my office. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Oh, that sucks. But then I immediately was like, nope, I can't be worried about that right now because I have this wedding to prepare for and all of these details that need to be handled right now. And so I pushed it down like a, good little soldier and you know hopefully we'll get open myself up to feel that but it was like kind of one of those like i don't have time to feel that right now right it was weird and and don't get me wrong you were in a moment where you probably legitimately if i had been crying in the corner it would not have been well for the situation <laughs> right but if you continue to shove it down for the next eight days, that's probably unhealthy, right? And but it can be anything in your life. You've got to give it time. You've got to you've got to see it for what it is, right? We talked about that last week too. Is seeing reality for what it is. You can't ignore it and think it's going to go away. You can't keep shoving it down because at some point you will blow up. That's how uh -huh. that works can only stuff so much or avoid mine is I like to avoid by by filling my life with other things hmm. so one of the things that this this whole book is also talks about is spending time with God each day in stillness and solitude and silence uh -huh. and I used to love silence and then I found audiobooks <laughs> and podcasts. Not even for me, it's not music. For other people, it's music, but for me, it's not music. It's audiobooks and podcasts. And when I'm walking Cooper, I usually have an audiobook or a podcast in my head. Right. Uh -huh. um, when I'm at the beach, when I'm driving in my car, when I'm just about every waking moment, there's something going on in the background. Uh -huh. um, and so. I know that part of that is me saying, I want to avoid having the time. Like, even if it's 
I, I'm becoming conscious of conscious of this decision. Does that make sense? Like uh-huh. before, I swear, I, I would tell you six months ago, my decision to to constantly have podcasts or audiobooks or something in the background was not a conscious decision. Like uh-huh. that I was not conscious of my avoidance of dealing with, you know, my time with the Lord in silence and solitude. Okay. It was just, oh, I want, I'm, I like this book. I'm going to listen to this book or I like this podcast. I'm going to listen to the podcast. I'm at a point now where I can say legitimately, I do that so that I don't have to deal with what is going to come up in my head. If I, if I stay silent. Hmm. But the knowledge that you're thinking about that is that nudge from the Holy spirit to say, Hey buddy. Right. Correct. Absolutely. Time. <laughs> hey, let's talk. <laughs> because I think also there are some things that the Holy Spirit wants to do and work within me that I don't necessarily want to do right now. Right? Like, yes, Lord, I know that you want to do that thing with me and work on that one thing. But can we just like not? <laughs> hmm. Um. But, the, but yes, as you said, the fact that I, I can see it now and acknowledge it is step one, right? It's not the end of the journey. At some point, I am going to have to say, carve out time, put it on the calendar, mm-hmm. go find some silence and solitude and not be doing something else. Because the whole premise is that you're being with God, not doing for God. Right? Oh, that's good. In the books, Peter Scazzaro um, talks about, so each each chapter, it comes with a Bible study on a specific character of scripture. And this one talks about Jesus, specifically Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I think that clearly that's an, uh, an obviously appropriate opportunity for Jesus thinking through the, the enlarging his soul through grief and loss. I mean, Jesus is coming face to face with the finality of his, his life on earth and the arduous, horrendous, violent death that he is about to endure at the hands of the Jews and the Romans. um, There's some grief there. There's some loss there, not just him losing his life. I think, I think some of it's also losing the day-to-day ministry with those disciples that he has come. And and he knows what's coming for them. He knows who's going to reject him. He knows that the same crowd that's about that greeted him is about to turn. He knows that his whatever, gosh, thousands of years adding up for him being there um, in, in physicality, in a physical body is ending. Yeah. Right then. And like, while it's a happy day that it'll be, you know, he'll have a, his, it is finished moment. It's still God won't dwell in ever dwell with his people like that again. Not in, not in bodily in, form in Jesus, with Jesus. Right. He ascends, he ascends that, bodily to heaven, but. Right. But, but in honor. that, in that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's, I mean, I think the physical thing is, is that, but I, I think it's more that, this is, this is it. This is, it's done. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, if, so if we read, so in Matthew 26, um, 
36 through 34 is or through through uh excuse me matthew chapter 26 36 through 44 is where he's at and it says this jesus went with his disciples to a place called gethsemane and he said to them sit there sit here while i go over there and pray and he took peter and the two sons of zebedee with him and he began he began to be sorrowful and troubled then he said to them my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death stay here and keep watch with me hmm. going a little farther he fell with his face to the ground and prayed my father if it is possible may this cup be taken from me yet not as i will but as you will and then he goes back to his disciples and found them sleeping couldn't you men keep watch with me for even an hour watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He comes again and a couple more times, finding the disciples sleeping as well. But this this whole idea of my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Mm. So we have Jesus who's being open and honest about the sorrow he's feeling. He's not shoving it down. He's not pushing it aside. He's not avoiding it. He's acknowledging i am so sad and sorrowful and troubled right now that it's to the point of death you know we use comment we we use defenses to kind of keep us safe if you will insulated from grief and loss and sadness and it's wrong we should feel those emotions they're very fine emotions to feel very mm -hmm. logical oftentimes there's reasons you should feel sorrowful but in but our the culture we tend to minimize those in my core, I tend to say, you know, if you've done something bad, you should feel bad about it. Otherwise, you're a sociopath. Right. And that's a whole different conversation. Right. But it's normal, um, yeah. In the but book, he... Minimize go it ahead. Versus... What? Oh, just saying, our culture definitely has the tendency to minimize. Agreed. Agreed. Or to rationalize. Yep. So this is what he says. Uh, there's a list of common defenses we use to to protect us from grief and loss. And and I I would say that I've used all of them at some point, almost. Denial. Uh -huh. Minimizing. I like to, I, that's, I minimize. That's my big one too. Yeah. Blaming others or God. Over-spiritualizing. I can do that sometimes too. Oh, this is just a, this is just a stepping stone to my spiritual health. I just got to get through this time or. Can't have a testimony without a test. Right. Uh, blaming oneself, rationalization, that is offering excuses and justification, intellectualizing, I do this one a lot, no one's shocked, giving analysis and theories to avoid personal awareness or difficult feelings. I will observe to the nth degree from a distance and say, oh, man, that's a sad situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jenny, you're whatever just happened. Like, it is sad for you. Not don't don't step outside and think not you're a general observer. Like, no, it's sad for you. Feel those feelings. It's okay. Do it anyway. Distracting. I will distract with all the things. Right. We just talked about that. Become a becoming hostile. Uh -huh. That can happen sometimes. And then medicating, often with unhealthy addictions or attachments to numb our pain. And I think if we all thought about it that many of those things we've we've done to minimize to assuage 
mm-hmm. our our grief, our loss, our disappointments, our sadness, because somewhere we have been taught that those are negative feelings, that those are feelings you should not have mm-hmm. or that you can have for a very short span of time. And then you need to get over it. Right. Well, and, and the author, he talks about, he comes from the culture in his family that men don't cry. Right. Real men don't cry. And I mean, me and you were obviously not men, but we have, I mean, I think both of our families are big girls don't cry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of crying publicly Le- yeah. or crying privately, but privately is a little safer. Mm-hmm. I usually feel stupid afterwards. Right. But I shouldn't like that. There's no, there's no stupidity in crying. Mm-hmm. I think some people cry too much, but that's my own set of, I have to work through that. And mm-hmm. maybe they have to work through it too. Cause maybe they do cry too much because they learn some other bad habits from their mm-hmm. And I mean, we all, we all have those things that we do friends, right? The things that we've learned as we talked about as defense mechanisms or coping skills or patterns of behavior that we've learned over the course of our lives, whether we're 20 or 40 or 80 or whatever, that there's a reason we've done them. They worked in the past. At some point they worked. That's why we do them. Otherwise we wouldn't have done them. Right. Yep. But are we growing by utilizing those past coping skills? Are we deepening our relationship with Jesus and others by utilizing those skills or are we hindering our relationship with Jesus and with others because we won't acknowledge when we're having feelings. So I actually have a wonderful example of this and I I have not asked permission. So I will, I will not say the context of this story necessarily, but there was two people that I know very well that got into an argument with one another. Um, and it was a big blowout. I mean, and there was like, it was a no, we're not talking to each other. I don't want to be in the same room with each other kind of an argument. And the one party in the argument got over it relatively quickly. Kind of like, yeah, I lost my temper. It's what that's what happened. You know, I don't know why they can't just get over it. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so they kind of minimized and deflected and made you know, kind of made the whole thing, oh, well, you know, they just should just know who I am. It's just who I am. It's just how what I say, blah, 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 blah. The other person, um, unbeknownst to party A, had had a series of traumas in their life um, with people that were violent. Uh-huh. Um, and party A had no idea that party B had had that. Party B reacted similar to the way a person who is being physically attacked would, would react to their attacker. Okay. So they kind of over, they did in context overreact to what was happening because of context. Right. Okay. Uh, and so party B actually um, went away for three, four months. Just earlier this week, they've actually reconciled. Wow. So party B came back and said, you know, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I, you know, I reacted the way I did. There's probably something you should know about me. Party is, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Right. Oh, communication. Right. But, um, but both were actually dealing with 
with this um, loss, this grief and loss together of losing the relationship with one another in very different ways. Right. One ran away and and made it really big. The other one made it really small, but they actually had to meet in the middle and say, you know what, this happened and this is like, and just talk it out right? and say, um, this is where I was wrong. And the other person, this is where I was wrong. Um, this is my commitment to do better. This is my commitment to do better. Right. For the sake of relationship. It was actually quite beautiful. That's awesome. Um, but it was, but it was definitely, you could, I could definitely see those things of uh, uh, a family of origin stuff and, and grief and loss of how do we deal with a broken relationship. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And everyone grew and now hopefully it's fine. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things that you, you gotta, you kind of, you have to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because both both reactions were unhelpful, right? Yeah. <laughs> both reactions yeah. were unhealthy. Underreacting, overreacting, you gotta find, you know, the balance in the middle, as it as it were. But um I I wanna I do wanna point out he's got this wonderful grief chart, and I feel like it might help people, especially if they can think back on things. It also is hard work. It also would possibly bring up some old trauma but i think that there you know just like the chapter that's going going back to go forward could potentially be helpful but it's got a chart of grief of like age age ranges Hmm. losses and disappointments that you experienced at x x age and then how did you respond what did that look like you know maybe something traumatic happened in your you know formative grade school years or maybe when you're a teenager or maybe where you were a young adult um and how how are your reactions kind of going with your ages are you maturing in your reactions are you acknowledging the grief are you acknowledging the disappointment and i think there's there is a slight difference between disappointment and grief and how we respond right you could be disappointed that you didn't win the lottery that should not elicit the same response as being disappointed that um your house got hit by a tornado right uh-huh, like, uh-huh. if those are eliciting the same response from you you might have some things you need to work through right yeah. um i say that a little tongue-in-cheek but what but the example is there are things that um that's again we can overreact to or underreact to based on you know past experience and uh-huh. and past ways of dealing thing with things um I I do appreciate he talks about there are three core phrases or excuse me there are three core phases of biblical grieving one pay attention like pay attention to what's what what are you feeling that's where that grief chart or that uh, feelings chart is super helpful sometimes because sometimes we can't put a word on it we can't name it we can't necessarily identify it I sometimes when I when I talk to my counselor we He's like, well, what, what did you feel? Dude, I don't know. He's like, okay, describe, you, you know, the situation. That, and so then a lot of times he can help me pull out those words, right? That I'm not necessarily connecting to. Uh, number two, wait in the confusing in between. Uh, okay, to sit there and in the waiting and the confusion and the uh, transition, just sit in it, acknowledge it, sit in it. It's okay. You don't have to move right on because if you move right on, you usually move right on to a coping mechanism that's unhealthy. 
Mm-hmm. And number three, let the old birth the new. Mm. Sit in it and and let that situation teach you how to respond in the future in a positive way. Right. And again, that's how we don't get stuck at walls. Right. Right. Um, letting, letting the old give birth to the new, um, is, is a way is, is really, it's really a way that we don't get stuck at the wall. We don't dwell in things. We don't let it pull us under. Um, we say this has happened, but I know that I have a God that I can hand it over to. Now, God does not, God is not the author of suffering, Right. Right. That's some that's some bad theology. I've heard people say, you know, when someone's died, oh, God just wanted another angel or he doesn't give us more than we can handle. Bad theology. God did not create your suffering to test you to be better for him. That doesn't even make sense. He can use your suffering. But he uses, he redeems right. suffering. Yeah. So when we, when something bad happened, when we have a grief and we lost and we can put it at the, at the feet of Jesus, he takes it and he can turn it into something useful and something beautiful the problem is we we can pull it into ourselves and either stuff it down into the corners or make it our whole identity right um which both are, are going to keep you trapped or you can release it to the feet of jesus to let him do something good with it Amen. Amen. Well, I think too. Oh, I lost it. Biscuits and gravy. I lost it. Oh, I don't remember what I was going to say. Something good. I'm sure of it. Oh, I remember back to back to that. So part of the, part of the aspect of this course, if you do the entirety of the course, um, is this the day, the day by day rhythms where you spend two Two spans of time in the with the, what Peter Scazzaro okay. calls the daily office. Yeah. What? Yeah. Daily Sorry. office. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say two minutes. Two minutes of silence twice a day. Correct. And the and the two minutes of silence, which is its own set of you wouldn't think two minutes is very long, friends. And it's not, but it sure seems that way when you're silent. Um, but in addition to spending that quality silence to quiet your heart and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And he will work in you to do things that you need to do. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's one of those things that you might spend quiet time with the Lord, quote unquote, every day reading a devotional. Wonderful. Keep doing that, friends. But do you spend time just being in God's presence? Just existing. Not feeling like you have to jump through a hoop. Not feeling like you have to do a something but just to be in the presence of God. I think of the difference between Mary and Martha, though I think Martha gets a really bad rap in that story, but Me we, too. we've talked about it. <laughs> we have, um, but to be, to just exist in the presence of God and understand that God doesn't love you more because of what you do for him. Hmm. He loves you as much as he's going to love you because you're you. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean he wants you to stay where you're at. But he does under, but I believe that you can have pound for pound, minute for minute, 
spending silent, quiet time with the Lord is is a far more effective means of transformation than just doing. Well, I, I think back to the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Specifically the line, um, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right. Well, well, when we unpack that a little bit, it means bringing the truths and promises of heaven into the right now. Yeah. Right. And then we think about him forming us in our mother's wombs mm -hmm. for good and noble purposes. Right. Yeah. Maybe not for dealing with Babylonian exile, but, <laughs> but for, for our time, you know, and they're going into Esther for just for such a time as this, whatever uh, that us being born matters. We weren't mistakes. Right. The time and culture and family in which we're born all matters right. to us, um, in, in, the scheme, in a way that we can't even begin to fathom. Um, but that um, as for this, you know, overarching, overlapping um, type of story, how do we um, how do we make earth as it is in heaven? Right. Right. A lot of it is through our relationships. It is through um, growing into the identity that God instilled when we were little embryos, right? <laughs> little babies and our mom. Yep. Um, and our truest, purest self without all the hangups of sin. Yeah. And baggage from life. And life is yeah. hard. So saying, I want to do this. I, I want to do this work, not because I think it's going to get me a better spot in heaven, not because I think Jesus is going to like me more, not so I can be better than other people, but so I can live truly to the fullest extent that I was created to in the freest, happiest way possible. And I can help instill that in other people so that they true too can live true and free and pure and happy. Amen. Um, and, and that is why we do the, the work of emotional, healthy spirituality. Right. Because you can't be truly spiritually healthy if you're not emotionally healthy. And why does God care so much about our emotions? Because it's the essence of who we are. It's what it's what divides us from all of creation. I think when, when it says that he made us in his image, I don't think that's a physical thing. I think it's emotional. Yeah. That when God created us in his image, it's because God is emotional Mm -hmm. And I, that that word is also so loaded and a kind of in a negative connotation. And when you call Definitely. someone emotional, it's negative. Right. I don't mean it that way. Right. I mean, God experiences a full gamut of emotions and he has gifted that to humanity. Right. And we shouldn't, we should embrace that gift. Which is just, can I just speak about the irony of you and I being the ones to talk about this? <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> But you know, you know what? Though, like God is redeeming these areas in our life. Correct. And Correct. so, so, so we're not speaking from from a, a book. I mean, we are, but I mean, we're not speaking from a textbook knowledge. We're speaking from firsthand knowledge of, right. of the transforming power of learning um, who we actually are. Right. <laughs> and and being able to grow in it. Right. Mm -hmm. So friends, if, if Amanda and I can start to learn how to negotiate, navigate through feelings, <laughs> gross. <laughs> I'm just saying you guys can too. Like, um, and not to say that Amanda and I never felt feelings cause we did. Okay. So it's not like we were some robots. 
They're well, usually somewhat unhinged, though. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Bottled, bottled so long. Yeah, and you know, it it de- definitely when you when you shove emotions down for a long time, they they tend to not go very well when you do have an ex- explosion of emotion, right? Um, but really, the transforming power is the Holy Spirit working through you, and it's. It's easier to work collaboratively with the Holy Spirit if you spend some time in silence and solitude. If you spend some time still before the Lord, be still and know. In fact, I wrote down, give me a sec. As I was preparing, I am actually leading this in my core uh, coming up this week, which it's going to be, we've already started when this releases. So those of you who are in it, hopefully we're having a good time. Um, in Exodus chapter 14, I'm really going to, I'm going to take us there and then we can I think, call it for the night. But um, Exodus chapter 14, verse 14 says this, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Mm. And this is, uh, this is when they're crossing the door or crossing the Red Sea and the Egyptians are pursuing them. Uh-huh. God tells Moses. Well, actually, Moses tell the pe- tells the people because God told him. But Moses tells the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians will you see today. You will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I think that there are moments in our life, whether it's grief, whether it's disappointment, loss, fear, all of those those emotions that we tend to put in in negative categories, which are unhelpful because it's not true. We forget to be still before the Lord. We've and and actually I think we forget to be still when we're having good emotions too. Quote unquote, quote unquote good emotions. Joy, yeah. you know, that sort of stuff. But right, yeah, because we can definitely be like, oh, I shouldn't be this happy or I should I shouldn't. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's a whole different conversation, you know. Right. It's too prideful to whatever, be happy. <laughs> like slow that joy of the Lord. Whew. You gotta be <laughs> stoic and and serious. Somber, serious before the Lord. No, nah, I think Jesus laughed a lot. Yeah. I think I think it's all the things. <laughs> Good stuff, friend. Any final words? I mean, you kind of had a th- thought there. I but- had my soapbox moment a little bit. Um, but just, um, we all experience grief in different varying degrees. Yep. Um, and um, you really can't compare your grief to other people's. Yes. Um, because we do we do react differently, and, and, any, and even that is, is fine. Um, but the thing is to know that God can really, really, truly can redeem everything that's given to him. But it's not an overnight thing. Right. And don't get it that um, the, 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 the negative theology that can sometimes happen that God wanted this bad thing to happen so that I can do this good thing right. for somebody else. That's not what I'm saying. And that's not really, I think, what happens. I think that does a disservice to um, you and to God and to yeah whatever the the pain you're going through but that god is bigger really than 
Amen. Then we are. And there are things that are connected in ways that we could never even understand. And we just got to trust, trust the process Amen. that he is never going to lead us down a way that is bad for us. And every invitation he gives is to something that is going to make things better. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, well, friend, this has been fun. Oh yeah. Uh, as it always is, as it, yeah. And we'll, yeah. Anyway. Well, friends, remember God blesses us. Why? So we can be a blessing to others. Amen. We'll catch you guys 